with Justin Bourne on the IR the rest of the week. Real Kipper and Bourne, happy to recall from Channel 91 in the Satellite Dish League, Gord Stellick. Kippy, this is like, uh, what is this? This is like the call from, from the American Hockey League or something like that? To Something like that, time Gord. And, you know, before you drop your bag off in the dress room, you know, come into my office and we'll have a quick chat. Is that okay? Yeah, and you know what will happen right away? It used to happen in Toronto. The veteran players would hit you. Do you need your comp tickets at all? Because you just got to town. You don't know anybody, and they're looking for the two comp tickets. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And that's that usually comes after, though, you know, we have a little talk. Mm-hmm. I try to calm you down a little bit. I know you're nervous. And yeah. that's the part where I just say, Gord, stay within yourself. You know your strengths and weaknesses <laughs> as a as a broadcaster and probably know the weaknesses more. That's why you were in the friggin' minors <laughs> to begin with. But I didn't deserve to be, Kippy. Like, keep it simple. First pass yep. guy. Or are you going to go out there and try to dangle, Gord? What, what, what are we in for for the next two hours? Well, no, you know, it's funny because I did, I, I, I gave that speech, not speech, or had that conversation about the coming up and then you want to star, you want to do it all your own versus certain players. I remember Gary Lehman and Steve Thomas went down for a brief period of time and they came back up and they just were killing it. And the point is you, you, you got better players. So use the better players, right? Try that. They can make you look better. So I'm going to use Kippy. I'm going to use you. I'm going to, I'm going to be a team guy. And um, and that's how I'm going to grow, and that's how I'm going to stay. And, you know, my family's in school everywhere, and, and all these things are going on, but um, they're ready to make the move. And when you talk about a guy like Steve Thomas, uh, he put up huge numbers uh, with our, our, our buddy and uh, the late Peter Zezel uh, in, in his last year with the Toronto Marlies. You guys sign him, and... Stardom in St. Catharines, correct? Uh, did I'm just going? Yeah, yeah. He, he was not. He went through three drafts. He went through three drafts, and he was. Uh, he, he he you know played in St. Catharines, and uh, yeah, 42 goals in 64 games for his first year in St. Catharines, and then the next year he went down for a bit and got 18 goals in 19 games, right? And I used to use that as a comparable because you know you know it's like Kippy, you come in and you're kind of going well. You know, I you know I'm I'm on the fourth line or slash fifth line, and you know I feel I'm as good as Kippy in that, and you know we're both on the fourth line together, and and I'd use the Steve Thomas thing. I said, hey, go down there, and kick ass, and come back, and you're on the first and second line next time, and you're not even in the discussion. So you you could be as good as that player that you're talking about. We're splitting hairs and what have you. Just go go down, and and uh, I know it's decades ago, but he's a great example. Like go down, do your talking on the ice. And I expect uh, the next two hours and the remainder of the week with you, uh, more Steve Thomas than uh, Nick Kiprios dump and chase. So uh, thanks for doing this, Gord. We really appreciate it. Of course, Justin Bourne uh, attending uh, memorial services for Clark Gillies, uh, his father-in-law. And a big loss to the hockey community, Gord. Uh, we remember him as one of those players where, man, if we get to see another one in our lifetime, We'll be awfully uh, fortunate. 
I, I really, uh, well, I, I listen all the time, and I, uh, I, I enjoyed, appreciated hearing Justin and you talk so much. I, I did a thing for about 15 years. I would be an MC and host during the Hockey Hall of Fame weekend ceremonies. Uh, it was really such a privilege because it's the greatest weekend of all these um, inductees' lives. And I, I remember Clark Gillies got in when Roger Nielsen did. I can't remember who the others were. And, and so you get to know them uh, a little bit at the, like I said, the very best weekend. But all I know, Kippy, is that you always talked about getting a Clark Gillies type forward. I know I know the, the Islanders put pressure on Todd Bertuzzi when he was there to be a Clark Gillies type forward. And they don't exist. I mean, there's been others like Brendan Shanahan and Cam Neely, and, you know, there's been other power-type forwards. But that kind of guy, that piece that led you to four Stanley Cups, and you look back at, uh, Kippy, those four years, uh, quite often they were dead last in penalty minutes. Clark Gillies didn't get over 100 penalty minutes. They didn't need to. It was the presence that they had. They just leaned on you for 60 minutes a game and back then 80 games a season. And that's kind of how the Leafs want to put their team together now, you know, the Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas model. But, boy, uh, Clark Gillies, uh, what a giant on the ice and and off the ice. And certainly my condolences, and I know you've expressed that to Justin and his family. And and Clark may have been, Gord, ahead of his time, as you said, never feeling the need to do it more than he had to, thus not hitting the 100 uh, plateau. And and I know I've been in that scenario where it's an ego thing. It's it. Ask Ty Domi, ask Rob Ray. They liked their PMs and they liked looking at uh, you know at the top of the list and seeing either their name there or one, two, and three. Clerk never felt like he needed to do that, and it's almost as if. We're in that era now, whether you're Tom Wilson or Ryan Reeves, they don't need to go out there and, and accumulate 200 penalty minutes or 250. It's just just when it's needed. It's it's hard to believe that uh, Clark had that attitude in, in the day when we, 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 we would continue to see huge numbers on, on penalty minute leaders. Well, and... and- Against not taking any away from those other guys, including Ty. I mean, I mean Clark. Clark had the offensive stats as well, so he was a guy that you know could be the physicality in front of the net, be the tough guy, and then you know, I, I after he passed, I do it every what maybe twice a year. You go down that rabbit hole and you just look at fights like Clark Gillies and Terry O'Reilly, and then you catch Wendell with uh, with, with Rick Tockett, and you know you, you get caught up in so many of those particulars. So when he had to do it. He could do it, but you know he he was he was more important for the team on the ice. And the Islanders had Denny Potvin and Gary Howard and and Bobby Nystrom, and the physicality was understood. The physicality was understood there. Just to, and then Kenny Morrow was added, another big presence. But yeah, and, and Clark had that skill. And a lot of times people think too many players from those teams get in the Hall of Fame. And no, when you win four Stanley Cups in in a row, you don't win it because of two, three, or four players. All those guys deserve to get in the Hockey Hall of Fame to win four consecutive Stanley Cups. Looking forward to a terrific show today with uh, you, Gord, and also Derek Brandeo on Tech. Uh, Sammy, you're out there somewhere, uh, our our trusted producer. We have Jim Ralph coming up uh, in, in a few minutes, and we'll get into the Toronto Maple Leafs in Anaheim. Scott Niedemeyer, Hall of Famer, of course, and uh, four-time Stanley Cup champion, will join us as well. Uh, he, is, along with Paul Correa, are also involved in uh, a GM search. So uh, 
see if we can get anything out of him, but I, I don't know if uh, <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna have any luck. Scott's a well, pretty, so pretty good uh, PR guy. Yeah, well, he he'll keep it close to the vest, you know. Yeah, and he again, will. that that was a Leaf draft pick. That was the Tom Curvers pick. But anyway, we're not going to digress that. Oh much no, no, that, we uh, may we we'll definitely get into that with with Scott. And uh, <laughs> it's a good thing you're here to remind us of that. Uh, Ian yeah, McIntyre, of course, Canucks writer for Sportsnet.ca. Patrick Alvin has been named the twelfth general manager in Vancouver Canucks history. So we'll have Ian to talk about what we can expect short and long-term out of the Vancouver Canucks. But, Gord, it's bi-weekly game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is like when I was a kid and I grew up. All I remembered were, Gord, that the Leafs played on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's all I knew. Yep. yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did play some road games there. They'd play about three <laughs> weeks. But, but, but for a while... This has been like NFL, like a weekly football game, and then it's been like uh, Premier League soccer twice a week. So we're looking for forward for more games coming at you. You know, I, I wonder, I've mentioned a few times with no fans in the building, like last night with no fans, if there were fans in Ottawa, would guys have gone after Arendelle? You know what I mean? Like just all of a sudden the crowd gets you going. I mean, that cheap shot cheap shot he had on Batherson and and there's been some other instances that uh like who was it they almost looked like a line brawl was starting and nothing happened and someone picked the puck up last week and then went and scored the goal because he didn't play the whistle like like these games with no fans it's you know last year we understood it was how you're going to get through the season it's the only way now um I I mean I I guess we're moving forward but it's man it, it really violates you to watch them I I hear what you're saying but we are talking about the Ottawa Senators when there was no fans, and they could have had fans uh, the last <laughs> few years. So I'm not sure if that uh, that basic principle uh, applies. But all, all kidding aside, uh, now that you brought it up, uh, we we know that Dell's uh, currently in a uh, in a hearing as we speak. Uh, we do expect him to be suspended, which is a, a rarity for goaltenders, especially uh, when when you see them uh, leading uh, the hit parade on Batherson, but overall your, your thoughts Gord on, on, uh, on the initial play. It's, it, it is a typical hockey play. If, if we want to start there, Gord, it's not the first time a goaltender came out of his crease to set the puck up for, for his defender wheeling around the net. Yeah. And he's, tr- he's trying to buy him time and that's the common play, but what has changed, you know, from, you know, when I say our errors, I mean, with all respect, your error on the ice, I understand that, is that you the, the word vul, vulnerabilities come into play. That now you have to gauge, is your opponent in a vulnerable position, which before was, oh, well, the guy put him in a vulnerable position, uh, put himself in one, too bad. He takes that hit, he got hurt, well, you know, that goes with the territory. And there's an expression, breakneck speed, because the downside is what can happen when you're going that fast. And part of what Kippy White Drake Patherson's going the All-Star game like he was coming full steam, so he's in a vulnerable position. You 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 give him that bump, and even something worse could have happened going in the board. So I, I understand Aaron Dell said later, man, and I I really do believe him. He's not he's not looking for a catastrophic response that it looks like Batherson's going to be out for a chunk of time. But at that point, you got to read that this is not a guy you could bump going in that speed. So I'm not saying throw the book at him. I really have hey. 
Buffalo, Ottawa, like it's bad enough. You know, it's bad enough the season's trying to play out the season and, you know, you're Buffalo, you're getting beat by Ottawa and, you know, whatever. So, uh, but I, I, I just think, yeah, as far as anything goes, it's about delivering messages and setting standards and goaltending suspensions are very rare, but he's going to get some. He'll get something, Gord, first and foremost. Uh, and this isn't, uh, if if Batherson gets up, uh, then it, then we're all screaming, Why'd you miss the interference call? But he's... Well, he should have got that. Yeah, he should have got two right? anyway. But yeah. it, th- this is about suspending him because of the outcome, not necessarily the play. And he's he'll be out a month and a half, two months, high ankle sprain. I've had those worse than a breaks. He could come back. He could miss the rest of the season here. So... I, I think for sure we're looking at a, a deuce, if not three-game suspension. But I, first of all, Gord, I'm pretty surprised that uh, when we did see Brady Kachuk, who will now be going to the All-Star game uh, in place of, of Batherson, go and talk to him. But I, I'm really surprised someone didn't clock Dell at that point. At the Yeah. At the end of the day, that would have been for Brady. That would have been a a welcomed one or two game suspension. You, what are you playing for, anyways? You're you're done. Your season's over when it comes to thinking you're gonna play in the spring after the regular season. Take your one or game two suspension and go clock them. So okay, uh, Kippy. I mean, you played that role. What, what what's happened that like our goaltenders taboo? I mean, is it like, you know, so you know someone will come after you, but so what? I mean, uh, that's the one way of retribution if it was any other position. Like like good clean hits, I still don't get why there's all, why so often there's retribution. But, you know, cheap shots, I understand that. Are, are, are goaltenders supposed to be taboo? I think that's the general feel over the last few years uh, that they have cried uh, every time they've been bumped or, or uh, challenged. And... I think this should come back, Gore, to you want to get out of the blue paint, you'll go on to run a pick. Then then all of a sudden, I think that makes it wide open that you could you can be hit. And, you know, Batherson, the one mistake that he made is he let up. He thought at some point, like it was a it was a it was a drive by. Like he went in tight on Dell and the one the one mistake that Batherson made was that he was relaxed. He thought he would just stand there and he'd just drive right by him. And next time he's going to be ready. There's no question. Maybe we'll ask a, an ex goaltender on this as well as we bring in Jim Ralph. Before we get to the Leafs, Ralphie here with uh, Gordo, and we're talking about the Dell situation and the assumption from Batherson that he was going to get to 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 drive right by Dell on his uh, on his four check and he he was surprised no question the way he fell and 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 went into the boards that was the, his last thought that Dell was going to come in and step in on him yeah i agree and that's nice to be on with gordy i know a few years ago i i met him he said hello to me on an elevator which uh <laughs> which i still remember is a nice sweet thought but the, uh yeah i, I mean, you know what if, that's, if there's no that's, injuries, you're lucky 
You're you're lucky because he slams the door on me and says, "Use the stairs." <laughs> I got mixed up. I thought it was Jeff Reese on the elevator. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> wrong Jr. But the uh, no, you know what? I mean, if there's no injury, we're not really talking about it because I know now that there's an injury, they're they're showing other instances where, you know, Dell's taking penalties for interference, and um, you know he, he caught Stone, I guess, in a preseason game and. Who was it? He got caught somebody else along the boards, took somebody out. So now it's a big story because there's an injury. But, um, you know, there is there is a bit of a history there. But, I mean, it's well, let's face it, it's, it wasn't the dirtiest thing we saw last night. Um, you know, Monday night there were a couple of hits from behind. Um, you know, one in the Anaheim-Boston game that went from somehow went from uh, a major to a minor and then uh, the Ranger game as well. So, I mean, it's... Um, you understand it's now a hot topic of conversation, but um, it's obviously based more on the, the result of the play than it wasn't the most vicious play, but the result was uh, unfortunate. Would, so, would you Ralphie, be, oh, sorry, go yeah, ahead, Kippy. I was just going to say, would you be up, Ralphie, if, if, if goaltenders wanted to come out of their blue paint and, and play that uh, they're more free game than we've been accustomed to seeing? Well, I'm going to go back, and I don't, and I don't know exactly how it started. Um, the training camps in Chicago, and, and Roger Nielsen was there, and there was a play in one of the scrimmages where there was a race for the puck, and I came out, and Mike Stapleton was was coming. There was a race, and I knew I was going to lose the race after about the second stride, you know. And so I ended up, I, I got a piece of him even though he got the puck first and, and he didn't score. So for whatever reason, I started to do it a little more, and including preseason games. And Roger Nielsen just came by, and he said, you got to stay in your net. Like out of all the guys in the world to tell you not to be unconventional, it was Roger Nielsen. <laughs> and uh, I think I did it a couple of more times until another scrimmage. A guy by the name of L. Secord came roaring into me and stopped and he grabbed me and he said, stop this. And I did. So, you know, as far as allowing goaltenders to do it, until you got somebody like L. Secord that, uh, or Milan Lucic now or whoever it's going to be, uh, that's all you need is for one goalie to get drilled in, in retaliation, and, and that'll stop it pretty quick. So, uh, okay, Gold, and by the way, it's funny. It was I think it was Ryan Miller who made the big fuss, so Aaron Dell should talk to his teammate uh, or that whatever, the Buffalo in the alumni lounge whenever Ryan Miller may show up, which I don't know when that may be. Uh, Ralphie, Kippy and, I right. this, yeah, Kippy and I had this chat last week that, okay, Jack Campbell doesn't need rest. Nobody needs rest right now. The Leafs have not played enough games. They will start playing a lot of games. They're in the playoffs. It's a have-and-have-not conference. It's a have-and-have-not Atlantic division. How do you split up the goaltending? Like, how do you think about, okay, we got to figure out what Peter Morazic's all about, but also we've had a real thoroughbred so far as a number one guy, and we got yeah. we got to try to try to sustain his rhythm. Well, I mean, the one thing this conversation we're doing on is assumed health for both. You know, you might be in a position, I mean, two weeks from now, I mean, tomorrow we could be talking about somebody's now got to run with it, and Joe Wall's got to step in and take some starts. Uh, I mean, it's... When you do look at, at the schedule of March, April, um, I, I think it's got to be two to one. Um, you know, if, uh, and I obviously to this point, you'd say Campbell's got to play two out of three. And, um, you know, that, that may get down to if you've got bigger games. Right now, 
uh, the backup goalies, both Wall and Morazic, have not played against playoff teams in either conference. So not only is Jack Campbell playing more right now, but he's he's getting the tougher starts. Um, but I agree with you. I, it's not a fatigue thing right now, but I I think you've got to get Morazic at least geared up, and hopefully, um, you know, by the time you hit probably the middle of March, that, that he's probably playing every third game. There's no question that uh, we're not seeing the same Jack Campbell that we saw, which was almost perfect. Uh, the numbers are down a little bit. We can pick a few goals that we, we see him leakier than we've ever seen him uh, during this season anyways. Could it just be, Ralphie, that you look at what the schedule's done, especially going into Christmas and uh, the stopping and the starting, the COVID, and he has just lost his rhythm. Is, is there something to be said about goaltenders who just feel it? And regardless if it's a heavy schedule or a light schedule, that you, you find this rhythm and you want to play every day if you could. Yeah, maybe to an extent, Kipper. But, um, you know, I think it's 8 out of 11 now. He's given up three goals or more, which that doesn't sound as uh, horrendous as it is. But, you know, when your goals against average was under two for the first three months of the season, uh, that's sort of an astounding turnaround. But, I, I mean, I think it's still, you know, in baseball, you know, you got a guy that's hitting 400, uh, say, into early June. Uh, you know, eventually the law of averages are probably going to catch up with him, and it's not going to happen. And I think with Campbell, that's part of it. That you know, there there were some moments. I think he's he's been left to his own device, but been given him more quality chances against, and there's been more breakdowns defensively now in the last uh, ten, eleven games than there were prior. But um, you know, some of the saves that you expected him, you took for granted. Uh, and now, like you said, they're starting to leak through, and I think it's. Uh, it's a lot of averages that, you know, eventually he was going to hit a spell where, you know, maybe he wasn't going to feel a hundred percent. Maybe the team wasn't going to play great in front of him, And all those stars that have lined up for him since, you know, going in last year um, for Freddie Anderson, you know, there's a, a little bit of adversity now that he's got to battle through. And um, I think he'll be able to do it, but he hasn't had a lot of uh, easy games and, and not that Mirazic didn't play well against the Islanders last game, but that was probably one of the easier games for a goaltender that the Leafs have had since, uh, you know, coming back from the break against, uh, you know, the games against Ottawa Edmonton at home. So, Ralphie, you know, one thing I'm curious to see is outstanding goaltending cures all ills. Now, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, can still uh, win a can still win thanks, a Stanley Dave. Cup without. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you yourself. Yes, that's what I meant. It's a personal compliment. And uh, anyway, that like the Tampa Bay Lightning could still win a Stanley Cup with ordinary goaltending. They're one of the teams. So they got an excellent goaltender and Vasilevsky, obviously. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering that Jack Campbell, the sensational goaltending he gave, and then how much when he's ordinary with the Leafs, you know, struggles maintaining a leave, what have you. You know, I, I just, I just wonder what what that downgrade is for want of a better word about, about what, what ills he might've been covering. Yeah, that's true. And it, uh, I mean, like, man, and, you know, Kipper, go back to your time with the lease as well. You know, if uh, you could go through almost every, you know, great goals that the Leafs have had since the nineties, you know, from Felix to Curtis Joseph, Teddy Belfort, and probably say the same thing, you know, that they, they were able to cover up. And I think also the same thing was, 
that alone wasn't enough. So, if, you know, as much as if, if he has to cover up that many things, I think by the time he hit the playoffs, it gets exploited. And goaltending, uh, it can win you a series, it can win you a game. But I don't think goaltending alone, if, if that's the number one reason you win four series, uh, I think you got to go back uh, – or even three series, if you want to go back to the 70s and 80s. I, I think it's a rarity. Um, you know, I'm, not, I'm in agreement with you, Gordy, about Tampa. Although, you know, they're not going to have to find out because I don't think Vasilevsky's missed a minute the last two years in the playoffs. But I think the, um, yeah, Campbell's probably covered up for a lot of it. But uh, I, I think unless that part of it improves, I think it's way too much to ask for him to carry you through, you know, four series. Uh, to get to where you want to go. Another big storyline here, as far as uh, at least the Leafs are concerned, is the shuffling of the lines. And there's no question that uh, Sheldon Keith wants to get some some different looks, but I think the three of us have been around pro hockey long enough to understand that <laughs> some of those star players on our respective clubs over the years, they like their ice time, they like their cookies, and... Not everybody, uh, at least internally, is always thumbs up uh, to see them themselves get dropped in the lineup. Is there a chance that Nylander can look at this and go, uh, I'm having a pretty good year. Why are you messing with it right now? Yeah, I think he's what, got one goal in his last seven, and Tavares has one in his last six. Uh, you know, they've been a, lot, a little bit off since the start of the road trip. All I would say is this, Kev, give it to the midway mark of the first period tonight. We can make all we want out of it. Because how often have you seen, you know, the the top two lines struggle and all of a sudden you've got Matthews, uh, Marner, and Tavares out on the same shift, you know, to, to try to overload. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's sort of a, uh, a, I think it's an, a neat little message to send to say, look, things aren't going well. Uh, we need more out of our second line, so let's get more out of our third line too, and and we'll mix things up. But um, I'm not a big believer that that's something that's going to last. I'm, I'm with you guys. Going to want the rice time, and um, you know, and I can't see William Nylander playing 13, 15 minutes. Uh, I think he's, he's too valuable and too skilled for it. But uh, I, I think this is is very temporary. I think at the odd time you might catch lightning in the bottle, but I I think it'll be back to what we're used to, I'm going to say by, uh, if Anaheim scores first, I'll say midway through the first period. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Way too early, Gord. No. I remember even Joe Thornton was always, you know, he was always in the first line and all of a sudden it wasn't going and he's on the fourth line. He went from the first line to the fourth line in one game. So uh, that's, uh, and Babs was big on that as well. You know, he'd, he'd have these line combinations, mix them up, and next thing you know, everything's back to uh, to what it was before. So I'm not uh, – I would be surprised if they uh, if they get through a full 60 minutes rolling those lines. 
I'm wondering at some point, because, you know, doing that with the Lions, and he's got half a season to do whatever he wants. I mean, everybody, the four teams in the Atlantic Division, the top four, really can. And, and uh, on the D, though, he, he does seem to, the, the, the greener guys, he, he doesn't hesitate to put them out together. I always, you know, wondered, you know, might, might you give them a few games with O'Reilly or Brody? Like, you know, because you can do whatever you want as far as trying to get ready for the playoffs. And, and uh, it, at some point, would you think you want to entertain that? Maybe to give, uh, you know, those, those guys a little bit more confidence, a little bit experience playing with a, an elite D and then go back to whatever you want to do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, that's a tough one because we're, you know, I realize what you're saying. And when we talked about having to, to maybe get the, any defensive concerns shored up before the postseason starts. But, um, you know, when you saw Sandy and Lilligren play extra minutes, where was it, St. Louis? Where they, uh, or I guess yeah. it was the Rangers. Yeah, they dropped um, into the top four. Yeah, where they, uh, where they were a little bit exposed. So it's... Um, I don't know. That's that's another thing we've seen too, Gordy. Is where you'll see uh, Brody and Riley will be split up, but it's very temporary. It's almost like we you got to go back to your to your main guys. So um, I'm not so sure. I mean, you still have to have chemistry uh, with the other player, and that's something that, that Riley and Brody have worked on. So I don't know if maybe taking away from I don't know whether it adds to one player's game or if it takes away from another to uh, to go that route. Um, because, like we said, we've we've already seen an increase in minutes for Lilligren and Sandine, and and there have been some some bumps and and learning curves that have gone with it. That um, so I don't know if I'm a big fan of, of of trying a younger guy out with an older guy and getting those minutes. Muzzin practiced today. He won't see uh, any action tonight. But do you think there's a, sm- a small panic behind the scenes uh, on on Muzzin and the amount of 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 games he's missed the last few years because of injury. And will that change how deep they have to go at the trade deadline to beef up the blue line? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Kip, if, if Muslim alone changes that. Um, you know, I think that's that's a concern. And I think, Gordy, you can probably agree that the trade deadline, everybody thinks, says the same thing. They want depth. Uh, they want a big defenseman, preferably right-handed shooting, and uh, depth forward, <laughs> you know, and you know maybe Carey Price without the ten million will be thrown <laughs> into it this year. But so I think that um, you know Muzzin's health uh, might be a little bit of a concern. But I think even you know at a hundred percent health, uh, there's probably some ways you're you're going to try to tweak it. I see our good buddy uh, Mike Fuda for some reason seems to be around the Montreal Canadiens a lot right now. I don't know what that's about, but uh, maybe you can have shoots on. Because it looks like there's the fire sale in Montreal might be starting, and uh, and Putes is around quite a bit. He's he's with Carolina now, right? Yeah, he's yeah. with Carolina. Yeah. So they're probably going to put an offer sheet in for Montreal player, even though you can't do it right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were wondering, like, how the uh, be hoping if the new regime in Montreal would be uh, willing to let bygones be bygones. But yeah, you wonder. I mean, I know Sherrod's name has come up a lot around Montreal. Uh, everybody's name, I guess, now has come up as being a, a possible trade target. But, uh, you know, when you look at Carolina's lineup, you think, you know, you wonder if that's uh, part of it. And I'm not I'm not jumping on Fuse, by the way. I love the guy, but I just uh, follow him on Instagram and uh, and Twitter, and I'm going, boy, it seems to be the same place the Montreal Canadiens are quite a bit. Listen, what, Ralphie, what, that, 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 that makes you an ins- instant insider, that stuff. Uh, that, 
you know what? Yep, I'm going to be honest. That's all I've ever wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I don't even want to be right. <laughs> you, you could be ours. We're, we're we've been looking for one all year. Trust me. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Anaheim, one of those teams we never really thought that uh, they'd have a legitimate shot at at a playoff spot. It, it certainly l- looks like it's shaping up in the back half. Just quickly, Ralphie, is this going to be a good test for the Leafs here, or they're coming off a couple of big wins? Yeah, I mean, they've got, um, they still got a few guys that I think with uh, COVID for this one. Uh, I think Henrique's been out for a while, uh, Sonny Milano. So they've, uh, you know, they've gone through their their test. But it's funny, you know, the Leafs roared through California this year and were great. You know, probably the most dominant or competent, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, that we've seen them all year in, in that stretch. And yet they've lost 5-1 at home to San or 5-1 at home to LA and 5-3 at home to San Jose. So it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, end that switch. And uh, also Jack Campbell's first game as a Leafs came against Anaheim at home. So uh, you wonder, maybe this is a nice way to hit the reset button and uh, get going again in the right direction. Well, we appreciate your time, Ralphie. Have a great call tonight. Uh, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio color analyst, uh, Jim Ralph. Thanks, pal. And and what else are you going to add to the title? And, and, and Real Kipper and Born Insider. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I, God, I love that. I'm going to update my social media right now. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, Ralphie. Oh, gosh. Never short of laughs with that guy. Uh, Gord, uh, in terms of maybe third line and now camp uh, with with Nylander, uh, let's let's go to Sheldon Keefe on, on how he'll use camp if, if we've got that clip ready, guys. Uh, it'll change a little bit, but uh, I think it'll you know, you'll you'll see me move things around uh, to ensure that he's still getting. You know, he's still getting the D zone starts that I like him to have. And and at times he'll come off that line, you know, when there's ozone uh, face-offs and things of that nature. Uh, we'll move things around there. But, uh, you know, he's he's a valuable player for us, you know, no matter where we've had him in the lineup or who he's played with. is, You know, especially games when we're in the lead, his, his minutes uh, get up there because we trust him and he does a lot of good things. And uh, he has done a terrific job. Obviously, we've now put uh, Mikheyev in and Engvall uh, and Camp on three different lines as well, which obviously there's a ton of focus on uh, Matthews uh, and uh, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and how they're spread over three lines. But also having Camp, Engvall, and Mikheyev with how well that they've played, we think those three guys on different lines uh, adds a lot to us. Those guys have really established uh, play for us. Gordon. Listening to Ralphie talk, uh, and he mentioned that uh, if things get a little frustrating, you could see changes as early as 15 minutes. For me, I, I think that's a bad look on Sheldon Keefe to to go and, and, and try this and only give it 15, 17 minutes. What are your thoughts? Okay, so, you know, Kippy, you never coach kids in house league, right? Like you're, uh, you're, yeah, I, you know, I was one of those where the parents would look at me and go, "Come on, just help them, please, just." And then I, I, I get trapped into it. I'm like, "No, I'm really enjoying my coffee here, and 
<laughs> and just talking. And it's like, no, 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 no. That, that, that's the type of coach I was with my kids growing up. So in house league, what you learned is, and I, I only had because uh, one son that played, and the ones that are veterans, is you start the season, but don't play too well because they do a reseeding after about five games because it's house league. So, you know, your guy goes out like Nick Kirby was getting you know, you keep, well, Yeah, you remember that, Sam, right? You keep So all of a sudden, <laughs> that's what's like going that. on now. That's what the Atlantic Division is now. I keep worried that they're going to freeze and give Austin Matthews to the uh, Ottawa Senator or something. I don't know. I mean, so <laughs> like, that, like, uh, like they've got four teams that are in the playoffs, and you can just try different things. And I think what Sheldon Keefe, in a lot of ways, is trying to do is saying, okay, I want, I want to know everything I can do. So in the playoffs, if we get into that dilemma, I've got – because, hey, it's on everybody what happened last year. We always go back to last year, but it's on everybody. You know, 3-1 lead in games, 2-2 goal games. But, okay, you know, what else could the coach have done? What else, you know, maybe could they have done the three balanced lines? Could they have, you know, switched somebody around instead of kept going, kept going? So I think, you know, he is uh, – and I don't fault him for trying these different kind of things. So when game number 83 starts, he's not he's, – he's got – He's tried everything. He's basically tried everything. He's prepared, in his mind, in every way, shape, or form, the luxury of cruising to the playoffs in the Atlantic Division. No, and I, I like what you said there, Gordo, with him trying different things. And I actually think this has a potential to be really good. I When I've watched uh, the Willie Nylander, John Tavares, uh, Alex Kerfoot line, the thing I've noticed a lot about it is where the actual chemistry comes from is between Willie and Kerfoot and uh, Sheldon Keefe allu- alluded to it yesterday, talking about those guys' chemistry that they have together. And I really think that if you put those guys on a third line and you put them with a defensive presence in camp, I-, I actually have a chance. I really do think this has a chance to work out. I just would be very cognizant if I'm Keefe to make sure that when uh, Willie Nylander looks at the game sheet afterwards, he's seeing an 18 in front of his name as opposed to, you know, a 14, a 15, or a 16. I think you still have to get him his time with the big boys, but I think the potential of this depth, it, it, I didn't like it at first, but I'm really starting to come around on it. I hope we see a lot of it tonight. Who leads the NHL in breakaways? Oh, is it? Well, Nylander's up there, right? Not even close. He's no? by a country mile, Nylander leads. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Is it Willie or Alex? Yeah, Willie. <laughs> okay. We Willie. <laughs> when you lead the league in breakaways, there is just such a fine line between a guy blowing the zone and still being somewhat responsible. And the one thing that Tavares has been able to do, and, and if you guys have noticed, is that He's got a sense of when Willie goes. And I just, you wonder now if that's going to get messed up a little bit because I think the instincts for Willie is to to poach and find that perfect opportunity uh, to go. And I'm, I'm interested to see now if that changes at all or if Camp now has to feel like, he needs to get his head up and, and, and find that one opportunity where he can send Willie in a foot race. And the last thing, guys, I want to see out of Sheldon Keefe, though, is, you know, bingo, where you get the bingo bango balls out and you're like, uh, number, yeah. <laughs> you're next. That's what players hate. Right. And if he starts mm. playing bingo with the lines – 
I think that that won't bode well for for a lot of guys. So I I hope he sticks with this, even even if it's not looking great or a little frustrating. Have faith that you want to see this thing through. So I I don't want to see any changes halfway through the first if 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 they're down a goal or two. I really don't. Yeah, don't, don't. You're right. You're right. Stick with it. If you got a plan, otherwise, don't do it. Like, don't don't do it. And then, like you know, Ralphie thought, you know, he's kind of skeptical. And I'm saying, hey, try these different things. Give them a try, and you can always move them back. But you know, give it a real try, or or or, or don't bother. And I'm with you on that. Like, and uh, so let's see. Basically, the bulk of the game, and then at the end, if you're behind and you want to put uh, the big line out more, so be it. All right, sounds good. We're going to take a quick break. It's Nick Kiprios and Gord Stellick, along with Derek and Sammy. You're listening to The Real Kipper and Born Show.